Well, good morning. My name is Jack Guerra. I'm one of the pastors here at Spring Lake. And whether you're in the room here, whether you're watching online, if you're in the family room, the lakeside room, we just want to say happy Easter. It's a great day to celebrate together. We're glad that we could, we could do this. Would you turn with me, please, to John chapter 21. If you have a paper Bible in front of you, if you want to turn your Bible on, if it's on your phone, uh, you can turn there as well in the um, YouVersion Bible app. If you click on the three lines, click on events, it'll bring you to the notes and everything for today's message. You can also follow along with the passage on the screen that we'll be reading in just a moment. Now, as you're turning there, I want to set the tone kind of for what Easter is and rolling into the message today with kind of a a movie analogy. Have you ever seen a movie where there's a character that you like and the more into the movie you get, you're like, oh, I I really like this person. This man or this woman that you think is just a a good, good guy or good gal to be in the in the scene. And then you find out later they're actually the villain. For me, this kind of came to light with Mysterio. Any Spider-Man fans here? I was just so determined Mysterio was like, a good guy, take Peter Parker under your wing, Mysterio. I thought he had it all figured out. Here, he's the bad guy. (laughs) We come to the account of the crucifixion of Christ and and the hero in the story is obvious. We can look at Jesus and know what he does and why he does what he does, but the villain becomes a little more clear and it's a hard pill to swallow because the villain in this account is me and it's you. Well, it's the bad religious leaders. No, Jesus did what he did, that we would be forgiven, that we would be made right with God. Why in the world would a hero do this? It's not like we tricked him or backed him in a corner or we surprised God with with this evil plan. No, Jesus did this for one reason. It's been the theme of this whole series and it's because of love. It's why Jesus did what he did and he provides for us what the Bible calls a covenant. We'll look at that in a minute, but would you read the passage with me? This has been our passage throughout this series as uh, kind of like our keynote passage. Would you read it with me, please? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's because of love. It's because of love that Christ paid the price to to renew that covenant between us and God, to make things right. Now, we don't live in a world of covenants too much anymore, but the best illustration I can give you is marriage. It's marriage. And I'm a little old-fashioned. Maybe some of you wives uh, um, propose to your husbands. I'm from the old-school world where the guy would, like, get down on one knee, open the box, and say, will you marry me? And can you imagine that bride looking at him and going, kind of. I'll kind of marry you. The parts I like, I'm all in. Parts I don't, where I feel like you're controlling, I'm out. That's covenant. Covenant is yes or no. I'm in or I'm not. And when we look at our relationship with Christ, that's kind of where we need to check our own hearts. And some of you, and we're going to talk about this a little later, but you're looking at it and you're going, "Mm, I I don't know that I can do that. I I think I'm a little too much of a screw up to make that kind of commitment level to God. And if that's where you are, I'd say two things. Number one, you're in the right room because none of us can do it perfectly. None of us. And number two, you're going to love the main character we're going to talk about today because Peter just has this track record of tripping things up, doing it wrong. 
We're going to read all of John 21. We're going to read the first half to kind of set the tone, second half to kind of get into what we're going to talk about in the message today. John 21, beginning at verse 1. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the, other, on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you caught, you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. And they did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had been raised from the dead. Let's pause right there for a minute. Get a picture of the scene. The disciples are all kind of huddled It's still kind of a dark season. They're still trying to make heads or tails of what just happened. For Peter, it's still a dark time because you have to remember what Peter did in denying Christ at the point of his crucifixion. When your friends need you the most, that's not the time to bail. They go fishing all night. What does it say they caught? Nothing. Nothing. The Bible tells the truth. They catch nothing and then they hear from the shore, what have you caught? Nothing but it's the Lord. And this miraculous scene follows and all the negativity that has happened before, a whole night of work and catching nothing, their futures, their hopes, their dreams that feel like have been kind of smashed, all of a sudden start to come to light with the Lord is alive. And it's the third time he's showing himself. The sun's not even up yet on this disaster. Jesus speaks and the entire scene changes. Now there's celebration, there's blessing, there's provision, and there's free food. Everybody's in their happy space. On top of that, there's the presence of Jesus again. And that's a game changer in and of itself. I love that John captures that statement, no one dared ask who it was. Because there's only certain things that Jesus has done and there are only certain things that Jesus can do. They knew who it was. Nothing else counts in this moment. And I don't know about you, but I love these moments in life. I love the moments where God brings clarity or brings provision. He gives hope when everything feels hopeless. I love when there's answers to prayer. I love when health is restored. And I love free food. (laughs) 
And on top of that, there is nothing like the presence of God. You think of those moments and you think, that's where I want to live. But it just seems like the longer you're around, you realize these are actually the moments that God uses to prepare us for what's coming. Because unfortunately, the times of blessing are followed up with awkward and hard conversation. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you've either deserted or abandoned a friend. And then you have to have that next conversation where you start building the bridge. That's where Peter is. I don't know if you've ever done that with God, but that's where Peter is. Let's pick up reading the rest of the account. 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Hop down to verse 24. It says, this is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If, it, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. So what do we see here in this conversation? We go from the time of blessing to the awkward conversation. And in this conversation with Peter, the first thing we see is that the risen Jesus restores. The risen Jesus restores. Yeah, it starts out awkward. Simon, Peter, do you love me more than these? Simon, when you look around the space and you see the apostles, the people you went to war with, do you love me more than these? Simon Andrew, who's your brother, do you love me more than these? Peter, when you look out and you see the boats and you see the nets and the fishing poles, when you see this large catch that's just come in, when you see what is security for you and income and identity, do you love me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than what you try and hang your hat on? In verse three, we know why he asks this question. What does Peter do? Times get tough, Peter goes fishing. The greatest line country music has not yet used. <laughs> I'm going fishing. Why? I think Peter goes fishing, number one, because it's something he can control. It's his career. It's what he's done. Probably it's been generational. I don't need anybody's help. I can go do this by myself. I don't even need God. I know how to fish. 
I'll just bury myself in work. I'll go start a new hobby. I'll go back to a habit I used to have. And the other guys, the other disciples, no, Peter, don't do it. Stay with us and pray. Now, what do they say? We're going with you. Why? Misery loves company. So they all step out. And I wonder if Peter hearing this is hurt. Like, Jesus, can't we just let this go? But Christ doesn't just delete the file from the screen. He goes all the way back into the hard drive. And for every time Peter denied Jesus, Jesus has Peter rewrite the script with a statement of love. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. It's a chance to renew and restore a dedication. Peter's love and devotion. So the question for us, the first question in the message I would ask is, have you received Christ's forgiveness and restoration? It's not just saying to God, my bad when we mess up. We all do. It's a restoration. It's an understanding to make it right with him. Not something that we go, if I work hard enough, maybe he'll love me. We're not working for his love, we're working from his love. His love is established. While we were yet sinners, while we were still in our rebellion, Christ died for us. Will we receive his forgiveness and restoration? And with this restoring comes a recommissioning. With the restoring comes a recommissioning. It's our next point. The risen Jesus recommissions, verse 16 and 17. Now, Peter had already been commissioned. We can go back to Luke chapter five. And it's account very similar to what we just read. They've been fishing all night. They catch nothing. They're coming in. Jesus says, throw the notes, uh, the notes, early day today, throw the nets to the other side of the boat. And when they do, they start pulling the fish up. The nets break. The boat starts sinking. And Peter says, Jesus, you got to get out of here. I am not holy enough to be around someone who can control nature. I am not good enough to be in your presence. Here's how Jesus responds to that. Verse 10 and 11 of Luke 5. Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. It says, as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Doesn't the sound kind of sound, the scene sound familiar? Except this time the nets don't break and the boats don't sink. John tells us that it's 153 large fish and there's a lot of meaning in that statement. First of all, when you're a fisherman and you catch 153, not just 153 fish, 153 large fish, that's a payday. That's a good day for a fisherman. And I talked to some of you about your large fish stories. I know how it works. But John is saying these are large fish. He's making a statement. And secondly, Clement of Rome, he was an early church historian. He said it was believed that there were 153 types of fish in the Sea of Galilee, which is a picture of the church reaching into the world to all who would answer the call that Jesus calls us to recognizing his death, his burial, his resurrection. And the church, the net does not break. And it welcomes those from all over the world. 153 large fish. The first commissioning had to do with fish. We see kind of a, um, a reproduction of that scene. But now Jesus goes from fish to sheep. He tells them, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. Love and feed my sheep. Peter, don't just catch them. Develop them, disciple them, help them grow. 
It's not just about getting them in the boat. It's taking them from lambs to being healthy sheep. Peter, this is your call now. Peter's comforted in preparation for the calling and there's an alignment for the assignment. Peter, feed my sheep. And the question that comes to us off of this that we have to be willing to ask ourselves is if God asks something of us, how are we gonna respond? If God asks something of us, how will we respond? Will we be sent by Jesus? And I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the message. That's right. Some of us, some of us hear a call like this. Jesus is gonna ask me. He can't ask me. I have messed up too bad. My life is too screwed up to be used by God. He couldn't, he, he, he wouldn't do that with me now. There was a day when I knew what the voice of God sounded like. I knew when he was speaking to me. But those days are in the past. I thought I knew what God wanted me to do. I had big plans, big dreams. Dang, COVID ruined everything. God wouldn't do that again. I think some of you had pictures of big ministry. You thought you were gonna see miracles, crowd, influence, finances. Instead, you're broke. Your family's laughing at you. Nobody's listening. No, God wouldn't choose me. He wouldn't recommission me. There's others in this room. Let's be real, it's Easter. Some of you are here on behalf of family, friends. Some of you are, this is, this is a specific time of year out of what we call maybe a religious faithfulness to be in church. Maybe you're here and in the back of your mind, you're thinking to yourself, I tried this stuff. I did the Jesus thing. I was in the Sunday school and the catechism classes. I was, grew up sitting in these seats and maybe in this room but I felt disillusioned. I felt lied to. I, I thought all my challenges and struggles and temptations would magically disappear and I prayed for that and it didn't happen. I had had enough. God wouldn't use me now. I'd say to you, you're still called and you're still commissioned. Followers of Jesus, we are in ministry. For some of you in the mission field, it may be a people group or an age group and they're still waiting because we're commissioned to go. Romans chapter 11 and verse 29, it's on the screens. You see, it says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. He doesn't think he's not up there going, I made a mistake. You're called, you're commissioned. And God stands by that call. He does it out of relationship with us. The last part of this verse, the third thing we'll look at, it's going to feel pushy, especially for an American mindset, but Jesus makes it clear that he requires something. He makes it clear that something is required. The risen Jesus requires, verse 18 and 19. And it's an uncomfortable requirement. It starts with Jesus telling Peter, hey, here's how you're going to die in your faithfulness to me. I kind of like the TV version of Christianity better where when I'm faithful, I get winning lotto tickets. The car never breaks down. Everything is unicorns and cotton candy. But that's not where Jesus takes Peter. Peter, this is how you're going to die. If I'm Peter, I'm probably doing the same thing he did. Well, what about John? Can me and John like switch roles? How about John go early and I hang around until you come back? Christ kind of says, hey, Peter, stay in your lane. 
It doesn't matter what I do with him. What's that to you? You be faithful and you follow. Verse 22, the call is very clear. You must follow me. What does Jesus require? Everything. It's a surrender. Don't worry about anyone else's process. What is that to you? Our call, our responsibility is to stay faithful to what God has called us to. I had a new outlook on this about a month ago. Gina and I, my wife and I, the last three months have just been rough, really rough. And there are moments God has blessed us this way in our marriage where if I'm doing really well, it's usually about the time that Gina's really struggling. And then there are times where that flips, where Gina's doing really well and I'm not. And this was one of those seasons where I was not. And we were waiting for a callback from a doctor. I went from just getting mad to getting furious, getting nervous because we don't know what's going on. We knew what some doctors had said, not others. I, I wasn't in a good spot. And because I'm the preacher, I'm the one who was full of doubt and questions and confusion and anger because I know no one else ever goes there. But Gina said something as we were waiting and it flipped my whole perspective on this. And she's the one really going through the physical battle. And she stopped and she said, let's see what God is up to. That's not how I was thinking. Let's see what God is up to. When you step out in faithfulness and maybe it doesn't go the way you thought it should have. Maybe you didn't get the answers to the prayers that you were praying that you thought would come. Let's see what God is up to. For that child who is driving you crazy right now, let's see what God is up to. For the job that you prayed for in God and wish you wouldn't have, let's, let's see what God is up to. For that marriage or that relationship that just seems to be crumbling, let's see what God is up to. Well, what about John? Don't worry about John. You stay faithful. Let's see what God is up to. What is he doing? So the question I'd ask you off of this is, will we follow Jesus? Let's not be kind of married to him. Will we follow Jesus? It's yes, Lord. Help me. No, Lord. I'm out. And I, I need you to hear me say this very clearly. I don't say this to drive you with guilt because it's not a statement to push toward guilt. I want you to realize what Jesus did for us was because of love. And my challenge to you is don't do things hoping and pleading and praying that maybe God will love you. That's an established fact. What we don't do, we don't do for his love. We do it from his love. Let's follow and be faithful, not out of guilt, but out of a recognition of what Jesus has done for us, out of a state of our heart and priority. You must follow me. If you're in the room, if you're watching online, if you're in the lakeside room or family room, you have to make the choice for yourself. We have to make an answer for ourselves. Will I be faithful when the fish are in the boat and when they're not? Will I be faithful when... I've caught nothing or when I've been blessed with 153 large fish? Will I be faithful when I just sense Jesus' presence all over it? Can I be faithful when I don't? Jesus says, you, stay faithful and follow me. Not out of religious duty. Not out of faking a plan to make others think better of you than maybe they should. 
but simply because of this, because of love. For God so loved the world, you, me, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, not spend an eternity, a lifetime and an eternity apart from God, but that we would spend eternity with him. We would not perish, but we'd have eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me, please? You may be here this morning and you listen to the message and maybe you can relate to that place where you're going, I haven't had that kind of relationship. I've been separate from God. I've had a nice religious background. I know how to pull on it maybe when I need something or I just need to feel better. But you've not had that relationship. Maybe today's that day. Recognizing what Jesus has done for you. And his call to you is to follow him. Not out of guilt, but out of love. If you're here today and that's where you are, would you just raise your hand up? I'd love to pray with you right where you're seated. Okay, thanks. Maybe you're here today and you're in that spot that we see with Peter. Where maybe it's still dark on the horizon and you don't know what's coming. You're struggling now. Some of you may be struggling with thoughts of, I don't want to be in this relationship any longer. Some of you may be thinking, I don't want to see tomorrow. Let's see what God is doing in this. Hang in there. If the enemy is fighting you this hard, then God is up to something. If you're in that place of struggle, maybe fearful or, or like, I got angry, full of doubt, I'd like to pray with you this morning. That just as with the disciples, that Jesus would show up in the situation you're in. If that's where you are, would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. If you're joining us online, you can email us in. If you're watching on Facebook, you can instant message us. We'll be praying for you this week. We'll be reaching back out to you. But I'd like to close this part of the service by just praying for each of us to be aware of God's presence and for our faithfulness when we sense it and when we don't. Times are good and when they're challenging. And we remember that it's done out of love. Father, we thank you for everything Easter stands for, for your resurrection. Lord, for the death and the burial, for the, our, the price on our behalf, for our rebellion, for those things that we've done that have broken your heart, broken your heart. And Lord, we celebrate that those are left behind. They're in the grave when we accept your forgiveness. When we come under your covering of recognizing you as Savior and Lord. I pray for those, Lord God, who are in a struggle or in a battle right now, in a place of wondering what's next, have questions to ask, or maybe kind of stewing in the anger of the, of the circumstances around them. And I pray your peace. Lord, even in the storm, not just waiting till after it. We thank you, Lord, that you are, as we talk about in scripture, Emmanuel, God with us, not abandoning us. In Jesus' name I pray.